It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Baseball is back, and the Reds are poised for one of the best seasons in franchise history. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. We don't want to just win, we want to dominate. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds podcast, I have back with me on today's episode, the Mr. Kona Coffee Man himself. I'm just kidding, he really isn't that, but he is the host of the Reds Alert podcast. I almost said Locked On Reds podcast. Man. Oh, maybe you're you're looking into the future there, Jeff. I have tied myself into a mental pretzel. Anyway, he is the man from the Big Island of Hawaii, Stephen Offenbaker. Aloha. I, I guess we're off to a great start. Uh, you've given me you've given me your show. Um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, just go ahead and forward that uh, Bluetooth ad revenue right on over here to my P.O. box. That'll be great. And then uh, we'll just roll from there. That, that's right. We are less than two weeks, like 10 days away by the time this airs. This is going to be airing on Tuesday the 14th. So literally 10 days away from actual real baseball let's just take a second steve let's just (sighs) that feels good doesn't it it uh, it does but you know what but before we get into this season though we need to talk about uh, a very important anniversary that is occurring today um i want to i want to jump into this real quick before before we take off so uh, here i am i'm taking over your show i'm doing it since (laughs) you've given me permission um today you know five years ago today if you were at Great American Ballpark five years ago today in the city of Cincinnati, you experienced one of the truly magical wow. moments in the city of Cincinnati, and that was the Todd father, Todd Frazier, yes. winning Major League Baseball's home run derby in front of the home crowd. And I got to tell you, um, you know, I flew in from Hawaii for All-Star Week. I got to be in the stadium for both the All-Star game and the home run derby. Uh, and that was that was something. I, I imagine the only thing that's come close at Great American Ballpark was Clinchmas. Mm-hmm. So you know it was quite a moment and something that you know I'll remember forever of just the the electricity in Great American Ballpark uh, when Todd Frazier hit that final home run. That was a magical day. I was there in the stadium with you. I I saw the video that you posted on Facebook and. Not to brag, I was about uh, two row or two sections uh, lower down in the scout seats, but that was a really awesome time. <laughs> well, you know, thank God for Hannah buying you tickets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. yes, yes. Actually, yeah, that was oh man, that was a fun time though. That that was obviously the best thing that's happened since Clinchmas. The best thing that anybody can remember for the last five or six years happening and every, you know, you always get the negative Nancy's getting on there and be like, well, that was an exhibition. That didn't even count. It's like, yeah, shut up. That was like an amazing moment in great American ballpark history and will forever go down as one of the top moments in the history of the ballpark. If, you know, for some reason they build a brand new monstrosity tomorrow, that will definitely be one of the top five. 
that that feeling in itself, that the place was bopping. Like opening day is a special day, and the banks is absolutely packed all day long. The home run derby, you could not walk around the banks. Like we, uh, my buddy and I went down, and we tried to get into. The Holy Grail, which obviously is a terrible idea on any normal <laughs> baseball game day, but for the home run derby was an absolutely terrible idea. And by you know, the time, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. I was going to say, by the time we got our beer and found an empty spot right next to the railing on the outside, and we were like pushed against the railing, sipping our Michelob Ultras and stuff, or I, I can't remember what I was drinking. It was something <laughs> basic, but. Uh, <laughs> But by the time that all happened, we were just taking it all. There's so many people. I met Rangers fans, Brewers fans, Angels fans. Uh, I talked to a couple of Cardinals fans who actually weren't assholes. You know, things like that. It was an amazing day. You know, that day was amazing. And, I, I you know, that day also, um, before the Home Run Derby, I went and did my first visit to the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum. And... While I was walking around looking at the exhibits, I rounded a corner and literally walked into Johnny Bench um, as he was traveling through the museum to uh, attend an event. So, you know, and I don't know if you've ever encountered Johnny Bench anywhere, but, you know, he's got a couple guys with him that are moving him through the crowd or whatever. And I don't know if that was Major League Baseball provided security or museum provided, but, you know, they were keeping him moving. And it was clear that Johnny was not going to stop. He was not going to be doing pictures and whatever. And I recognized that just by the way he was walking. So as he approached, I kind of moved to the side and I started as soon as I figured he was within, you know, earshot of what I wanted to say to him. You know, it was just like, you know, Mr. Bench, it's so nice to meet you. Can I shake your hand? And so as he walked by, he reached out this giant, you know, and I'm a big guy. I'm six foot, you know, 225. I am not a tiny person. Right. And he reaches out this big mitt that just swallows my arm. <laughs> His hands are huge. And I, right. it made me feel like I was five years old. And, you know, so Johnny shook my hand and said, how you doing? And, and kept on going on about his business. And one of the security guys that was kind of hanging back comes up to me after. And he's like, you know, if uh, you hang out right here for about five more minutes, Joe Morgan's coming through next. And he almost always takes pictures. So I planted my happy ass right there and waited. <laughs> and it was about 10, 15 minutes. But, you know, here comes Joe. And, you know, I'm asking for a picture. And it was so funny because he's like, oh, I'm late. I'm so late. I'm late. I'm late. And I'm like, I can't get a picture. And he's like, oh, I'm so late. And I've got, you know, the person with the camera already set up and everything. And he sees him. He goes, oh, all right. And throws this huge, the huge Joe Morgan smile on his face, right? You know, from like the publicity shots and everything. Smile comes on, I lean in, picture, and as soon as the picture is done, like the second it's over, bam, back to I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, with no <laughs> smile and just cruising. But you know, it was so cool. So you know, in that you know 30 minute time frame, I got to meet both Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan. So, and then Todd Frazier wins the home run derby. So that's one of my favorite days of all time being down at the ballpark in Cincinnati. I don't blame you. And I know Johnny Bench's mitt, what was that that fateful picture that he took with like he was holding like 27 baseballs in one hand or something? I I I remember it was a lot. And it's I always in, his hand size is incredible. I just yeah. I, I like double my hand size. I couldn't believe it. I was I've got kind of small hands myself and as, you know, growing up I always tried to see how many baseballs I could hold and I think I got like four and I'm like, "Woo, this is a lot." And then I see that picture and like, "Uh-huh. Sure." 
All right, I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> That'd be that would be amazing though, because that just adds to a euphoric day. Like you're already going into the stadium. Like this is going to be an amazing day in the in the history of the Offenbaker fan life. And then all of a sudden, bam! There's two of the great eight, and you get a picture with one of them. I mean, that that. I, I think the only thing that ever will be able to top it is to be in the ballpark for a, a Reds World Series clinch. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's probably the only thing that could outdo that day for me as far as being present in Cincinnati for something. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So we've, we've gushed on and on about some awesome feelings in Great American Ballpark. We are coming up on a 2020 season, and who knows, we, we may, there's probably a really good shot that we won't be able to be in the ballpark in person to celebrate this, but there's a really good shot that 2020 is going to be a really awesome year to be a Reds fan. I Am I wrong by saying that? Oh, no, you're not wrong. I think that the one thing in Cincinnati right now that has been absent for years and years and years, even with the crazy way we're experiencing it right now, the one thing that's present that we haven't had is a real air of expectation. And there is expectation now associated with this Reds team based on the moves that the front office made in the offseason and the collection of talent that they've assembled heading into this 2020 season. Uh, I expect the playoffs. Anything short of the playoffs is a disappointment to me at this point. I'm with you. It's it's not a matter of, well, they're better. They're more fun. They were more fun last year. This year, it's time for results. This year, the numbers in that W column are of paramount importance. And we're, we're looking at a season where, you know, we're not talking about 85, 88, 90 wins. We're talking about 35. Uh, I, I'm calling, I'm, I'm sticking to it unless something just drastically changes injury-wise or COVID-wise or whatever. I'm feeling the Reds are going to win 38 games. I think that's plausible. But those are the numbers that we're looking at now. Where are you at on the spectrum of where they could win? Well, you know, um, our friend on Twitter, uh, the ultimate Reds fan, Casey, she always does a uh, projection contest at the beginning of the year. Um, and, you know, I thought about it when she put that up and where I was going to sit on it. And I really think that 39 and 21 is a reasonable expectation for this team, given not only the amount of hitters they've brought in, but the way this pitching staff is shaking up right now with a tremendous bullpen that we really don't have to worry about fatiguing. I think it's funny. I, I mentioned the 38 and 22 to Yid the other day at the radio station. And without without doing so, he basically had a, a demeanor about him of like, oh, pat me on my head, you, you poor little Reds fan, you. But he did say, he's like, I think they could win 35, 36 games and make the playoffs. But I don't know about 38, 39. I'm like, I, I, I look at it this way. In these 60 games, 20 of them are coming against the Royals, the Tigers, and the Pirates. They could very, very easily go 16-4. and 
I think that's almost an expectation. If if I mean I, th- that might be a, a really heaping expectation to throw on this team that is still in the eyes of many still taking its next step. But I think that they can do that, even though they've had trouble with the Pirates in the past. Then you leave the other 40 games against teams that will be competitive with. I think the Reds have a real shot to take seven of t- or you know six of ten, seven of ten from the Cubs. I, I really do. I think they've got better pitching than the Cubs do, and their lineup matches up a lot better than it has in years past. Well, and the, with the unbalanced schedule, seven of the ten games against the Cubs are at Great American Ballpark. Right, and you so, won't have Wrigleyville South, which exactly is always annoying. So i th- I think it's I think it's definitely doable. I I agree with you. Uh, you know, I I try not to get my hopes up when it comes to Cincinnati sports. I learned a long time ago that for me to enjoy Cincinnati sports, I just need to take it game by game. And really just enjoy the experience of watching the game and interacting with the people we get to interact with. But this is the first time in a really long time that I'm really approaching a season with expectation and hope that we're going to get to see a postseason uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. And you mentioned 16 and four against Kansas City, Detroit and Pittsburgh. And really, if you're going to be a championship team, if you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to be a division winning team, you have to go 16 and four against those three teams because mm-hmm. the Cardinals aren't going to roll over for you. The Chicago White Sox are not going to roll over for you. Nope. Uh, those are going to be those are going to be dogfight games. You're going to have to really get in there and battle. So when you do come up against teams that, you know, obviously it's Major League Baseball and anybody can win on any given day. And that's why we play the games. But there is an expectation that, you know, 16 and 4, 15 and 5 is where they need to be against the lessers of the schedule. And so I agree with you. I think that that's a very reasonable uh, projection for where the Reds could be come uh, October. And the good news is they start off the season very easily, in my opinion, on paper, all this good stuff. I know that, you know, you got to play the game, but 6 of 10 against the Tigers, I think, is a very nice way for this team that is taking X next step, made all these moves in the offseason, to get out to a good start. I mean, obviously, in any situation, no matter who you're playing, if you start a 60-game season like they started 2019, 1-8, you can kiss it all goodbye, it's all done. If they start this season 1-8, then my goodness, there needs to be like systemic changes within the Reds organization. But I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Uh, when you look into... The details. Let's let's move from the macro. We were looking at the records and where we think they're going to end up. Let's look at the details. I got a poll up on Twitter, and I think it's still got a little bit of time left. I forget how much time I actually put on the poll. That happens sometimes. Uh, the best bat, <laughs> when we look back on 2020 for the Reds, assuming that the season gets played and all that good stuff, which, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but... Assuming the season gets played, 2020, the best bat in the Reds lineup will be. Oh, my goodness. You know, the best part of this question is that, unlike years past, it's not an easy question to answer. Right. Uh, and, and, and there's many reasons for that. Reason number one is the Reds have gone out and brought in some legitimate talent that you know opens up that conversation. If we did this uh, last year, the answer would be Suarez. Uh cut and dry, plain and simple, we'd be talking about Suarez. But 
in a shortened season with the talent that this team has brought in, you just don't know. Uh, you know, your hope is that it's Nick Castellanos, that, that he goes out and just completely rakes at Great American Ballpark and all of those doubles at Comerica Park become home runs at Great American Ballpark and that he puts up a significant season. But at the same time, if if Gino opens up hot, if Moustakas comes out and, and sees the ball well and hits the ball well, uh, you never know. I mean, it's a stretch, but, you know, the last few years, even though Joey Votto hasn't been Joey Votto, um, in the middle of the season, he's had these resurgent moments that in a short season with him well-rested could put him back in the conversation. I mean, we just never know. I think the, the best answer to the question is there's really no way to know. There's four or five legitimate options. And it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. But if you're going to make me pick one guy that I really want to see just be that guy, it's Nick Castellanos. I would love to see him go out there and in a 60-game season hit 25, 30 home runs um, at Great American Ballpark. I think that'd be great. I'm right there with you. I think he can do it. And I've, I've picked him as such to do that very thing. But when I look at this team, I'm with you. I'm happy that there is no clear cut like, oh, this is the guy. Because there was no close second to Suarez last year. Like, you ask who the best bat in 2019 was, if anybody starts talking about any other name, you're like, yeah, you didn't watch the Reds. It's Suarez easily. And now we've got guys like I could see Castellanos batting, you know, depending on how Joey works out, I can see Castellanos batting second. I could see him batting fifth. I could see him batting fourth. I could see Mike Mustakas batting fourth or fifth, maybe second, but I know that he's really brought in more to knock the runs in than to be one of the guys on base whenever you got your big boppers up. I still think Suarez bats third. How do you see this lineup shaking out at least to start based on what we – see on paper and what we think these guys can be you know now that we know there's going to be a designated hitter uh, it makes the lineup construction just that much more interesting i think that opening day you're probably going to see shogo in center uh you're going to see Votto batting second mm-hmm. you're going to see a three four and five of suarez castellanos mustakis and then six, seven, eight is where it really gets interesting. Uh, you know, is Senzel in there as a DH? Is he playing one of the corner outfield positions? Uh, I, I'm not sure. But somewhere in six, seven, eight, you're probably going to see Winker, Senzel, and Barnhart. Uh, and then for nine, I, who knows? Um, it's going to be very interesting. I think the best part of this whole thing is it really gives David Bell so many options and allows him to do what he does, which is play the matchups and tinker a little bit. Um, I really like that he has demonstrated time and time again that he is not afraid to try things out and move guys out of position and uh, do some different things to try and create uh, the best lineup possible for the team to win. So uh, I think in a short season with what he's shown to be as a manager, it's going to be very interesting uh, just exactly how it does shake out given the expanded roster and the limitations on pitching changes and et cetera, et cetera. Um, This is going to be a season unlike anything we've ever seen before. I, I thought it was interesting. I went on to Baseball Reference and I looked at the last 60, a little bit more than 60 games of last season for Eugenio Suarez. Absolutely phenomenal. In the months of July, August, and then September, 
October slash whatever, he had 32 home runs. And he had, let's see, 56, had 82 hits. Yeah, 82. You know, the thing... The thing that people have to remember, Jeff, is that we're opening the season. We are beginning the season right in the sweet spot of baseball in Cincinnati. Uh, We talk about the Reds and their slow start, and I think that has a lot to do with the playing conditions in Cincinnati when the Reds are forced to open in late March and early April. I mean, for God's sakes, it's still snowing half the time. Uh, The ball doesn't jump like it does right now in Cincinnati in July and August with the humidity and, you know— I think that we're going to see that this Reds team comes out, you know, red hot and is able to to jump out to a quick lead. I, I, I really am just I'm I'm putting out the positive. I, I'm, I'm putting out the, the positive vibes and and hoping that that's exactly how it plays out. I'm with you, and I love it. And, and one last thing too, just looking at these numbers real quick that stood out to me. I people don't forget, people don't remember this because. Most people weren't watching in the month of September, but when it comes to Suarez in the month of September, phenomenal. 337 batting average, a 1202 or, you know, 1202 OPS. Does anyone say 1202? 1.202? 1.202? One I don't point. know. There, there you go. Oh. 1.202 OPS, <laughs> 1202. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, he was good. So <laughs> I think that. <laughs> He is definitely – I mean, it, the poll right now reflects our sentiment. Everybody's thinking that Cassianos is going to be the guy. But don't sleep on Gino just because he was the de facto best hitter last year doesn't mean he could be the best hitter this year. Real quick, too, uh, but before we go, I know that you know we've talked a lot about the hitting. Next week we'll talk more about the pitching and stuff like that. But when you look at the 60-game season and the criticisms that we had of David Bell in his first year as the manager – would you agree that it actually plays more toward that this year? Because I, I think it almost works in his favor that he managed every game like Game 7 of the World Series. Well, yes and no. Uh, yes, if we were repeating last year this year, I think it works to his advantage. The problem is that Manfred Hates Baseball has put that that three-batter minimum on – some of the of the pitching changes. So I think that's going to limit some of the things that David Bell is able to do. On the plus side of it, uh, the expanded roster at 30 players to start the season, I almost, I'm almost certain that's going to be pitching heavy uh, just because the nature of arms and not being able to stretch the pitchers out like they normally do. Um, although if you've been watching the team feed, the pitchers look great. They look like they've all been working out on their own because nobody looks like it's February in Goodyear. Um, everybody looks like they're ready to bring it. But uh, those those pitching change limitations are going to change a little bit of what David Bell does. But the expanded roster is going to allow him to really seek out the best matchup possible and not be afraid of running out of players or running out of pitchers um, as he, as he does it because, you know, a 60 game season, you know, every game's not game seven of the world series, but every game matters, every inning matters. And uh, it's going to be a different brand of baseball this year. We're going to be overreacting to just about every single possible game on this here podcast, but I thank you, Steve, so much for coming and evaluating the head. Next week we're going to talk about more about the pitching and probably some other stuff as well, you know, how our conversations always go. But he is the host 
of the Reds Alert podcast. He's back. His most recent episode, he talked to Mo Egger. He did that before I talked to Mo Egger, so he's trying to one-up me there. I get that. That's okay. What do we got coming up this week, Oh, Steve? Oh, well, let's let's talk about the Mo Egger interviews for just a minute. Um, I, have some, I have some things. Uh, first of all, first of all, here I am for the millionth time on the Locked on Reds podcast. I have never been invited to your house. You have never brought me over, so I don't know what the hell is going on there. Number two, number two, Mo has never told me the exploding beer can story, and I'm the one that sent him the beer. So I don't understand how that's a Locked on Reds exclusive when I sent the beer and and I caused the explosion and yet he tells the story on your podcast. So, you know, I think it's some iHeartRadio favoritism <laughs> going on. I feel excluded and discriminated against at this point. Shipped beer explodes. Uh, please credit Lockdown Reds podcast. <laughs> no, for the for the Reds Alert podcast, we are in the process of spinning back up into regular season mode. You know, I could not do what you and, uh, you know, Red Leg Nation Radio have done, which is just continue to churn right along while we've been in this shutdown status. So I kind of took a step back and just put things out as, you know, I felt moved to talk about something. So uh, we've been going you know, every two or three weeks and just few and far between not to overwhelm everybody with just the same conversation from all of the podcasts over and over again. So we're spinning things back up. We are um, lining up interviews to go back to a weekly rotation, uh, probably have you on in the very near future. You know, Mo was just on uh, waiting to hear back from Trent when we can have him on again. So um, starting to fire it back up so uh the best thing i can tell people to do is head over to you know itunes or google play or wherever you get your podcasts search out reds alert podcast go ahead and click that subscribe button so that it drops into your feed and we'll be back in a regular rotation very very soon i think it's uh fair to say that the reds are aspiring to be one of the best teams in the major leagues if not one of the best teams in the national league at least you know first you know they got to get over the dodgers and the nationals and maybe one or two other teams there as well. But when it comes to the podcast coverage of the Reds, there is no equal. I mean, the Reds podcast coverage is far and away better than any other team in the major leagues, and you could book that. You can take that. Oh, I, I, I agree 100%. If you've spent any time listening around the league, you know, every team has maybe one that you can, you know, focus in on and think, you know, this is – a podcast where the people know the team and they're really striving to be professional and they know what they're talking about. But when you get into the Reds market, uh, you know, I feel like we've got a collection of people where, and I've said this many times, where there's something for everyone. There's, you know, we've got, you know, the Howard Sternish lane with the Hunt for Reds October, you know, Coop. Coop's got that niche group over there that, you know, there's really something for the, that group of people right there with him. Uh, you've got the, the, the Sunday conversation thing that I do. You've got the daily, you know, briefing from you. And then you've got the, uh, the Red Leg Nation radio podcast, which is a really good, you know, in-depth conversation and, and discussion. So I feel like, for a small market team, you know, everybody likes to, to bang that drum. For a small market team, the Reds have exceptional representation when it comes to uh, podcast content. You also forgot to mention for diehard fans of Lisa Alberto Benia, check out the Reds Alert or uh, <laughs> check out the Red Leg Nation podcast. <laughs> I just missed that. Oh, up. boy. Oh, well, we'll cut that. Um, <laughs> Steve, I thank you so much, sir, and look forward to talking to you again soon.
Anytime, Jeff. I'll catch you next time. That'll do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you're currently listening to. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And follow the show at Lockdown Reds on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Also say that Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. On tomorrow's show, I talked about some position players that were on the fringe, probably getting pushed out from the busy offseason. Now let's look at some of the pitchers that are on the fringe of this roster. That'll be on tomorrow's episode. But that's it for today. Now tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.